to teach these savages the way of civilized Spain. I am not sure. I don't remember my uncle as civilized. I remember him as a brute who knew nothing of poetry or love. His teeth were brown and crooked. At family dinners, he tucked his napkin into his breastplate. No one confused my pompous, silly uncle with a god before. I cannot imagine these odd red men who would toss jewels at his odorous feet. And yet, many people have confused man with God before. Perhaps I should be more forgiving. March 4. It seems that I've been misinformed about our captain. Several deckhands had empathetically informed me that our captain is not Captain Cabeza de Vaca, the famous pirate hunter. He is rather a dull and bungled version of a man of no relation. Today, I saw our captain flip a map around over and over with deep furrows in his brow, until finally proclaiming that real sailors navigate with the stars. It was a little after midday. I fear that the only thing keeping the crew from mutinying is the immense frame of Toro. Toro is a giant from Basque country and my only friend amongst the crew. His arms are easily as thick as my head. Often he entertains the crew with feats of strength, such as breaking bottles of grog over his head or tossing cannonballs into surfacing whales. It's rumored that Captain Vaca found Toro in a bar in Tangier fighting a half-dozen moors over a debate about proper eating habits. The captain fired a pistol ball which only managed to get lodged in the buttocks of a serving girl. Yet in the dingy light, the Moors confused the captain's uniform for a policeman's and fled. Toro has stood behind the captain's back ever since. March 10. Due to my semi-noble birth, I have been exempted from the tedious days spent scrubbing brine or tugging endless lengths of rope on the ship. Instead, I spend my hours as an assistant to this tedious captain. I feel awkward watching the tattooed men glare up at us. It seems pointless to worry about the titles and heritage of Spain when we are leaving for a new land. Still, the captain does not require much of me and I can sit and compile these notes. Sometimes I compose a poem for Carlotta although I fear she will not recognize me when I return to Spain as a man. Other times, I merely gaze out onto the senseless sea. In the distance, sometimes I believe I can see outlines of this new land, its flush, quivering earth, its bright, wide skies, and its rolling hills throbbing with veins of gold. March 27 At midday, we were attacked by a gigantic sea monster again. The captain opened fire on the starboard side, but he only succeeded in covering the surrounding water in a film of inky blood. The creature re-emerged on our port and flung a tentacle across the deck. Toro attempted to injure it with a cannonball which bounced off the rubbery hide and back on board. Three men were caught in the beast's suckers, and their heads plucked off by its giant beak before Toro was able to launch a makeshift harpoon through its eye. As it retreated, it let forth a geyser of ink smearing our entire side a deep black. 
Although I had only seen the attack from the porthole of my cabin, I could feel the tingle of the muse through my veins. I went outside with this notebook and began furiously composing an ode to the sublime beast. In the middle of my poetic flurry, I was interrupted by two of the more brutish sailors, Grot and Broco, who had been tasked with cleaning up the ink and blood. What are you doing there? Broco asked, leaning on his mop. An exposition on man's hopelessness against the fury of nature, I said. You wouldn't understand. While I talked to Broco, Grot snuck up behind me and dumped a bucket of the beast's ink over me, ruining half my diary. I just had to tear out two weeks of stained entries. I must update this entry with one bit of happiness that has come out of this sordid episode. After the attack, I was...